Check out the newest addition to our podcast lineup, Meet the Experts. This week, I sit down with Bill Broussard of JB Auto Care to discuss the folly of electric vehicles and more. Available wherever you get your Howie Car Show podcasts and at HowieCarshow.com. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice. Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. As we talked about in the first hour, major outage with AT&T and some other carriers. And then what ended up happening was people were so panicked that they started flooding the 911 centers to make sure their phones could still dial out to 911, which here in Massachusetts, the state troopers had to put out a sort of PSA advising people, maybe don't do that. If your phone is working and you don't need to call 911, don't use that as your test call. So just just a little update about what's going on in Joe Biden's America today. And I'm not suggesting that this is at all Joe Biden's fault or, you know, anything like that. But it is strange how we were told we were going to get so much normalcy and every day unprecedented things occur. Uh, Speaking of that, I wanted to just highlight a really interesting story today in The Federalist. And we've been talking a lot about Ukraine And how this aid to Ukraine is, according to the left, it is so vital that it is passed um, and that we send, I think the the latest figure was like $60 million, I'm sorry, $60 billion more to Ukraine, bringing the total to an astronomical level. And if we don't do that, we're told that the only logical next step, and this isn't just from Democrats, to be fair, this is also from a lot of Republicans like Mitt Romney, the only logical next step is that Putin is going to invade not Europe and eventually like take over the world. That's that's what we're being told is going to happen. The guy whose, whose army is deserting him for three years on end and they have to draft drunkards to fight for them because their army is so weak. We're, we're, we're getting a lot how does, of... How does that guy take over the world? We're getting a lot of mixed messages. Like, depending on what our politicians are trying to tell, like, trying to sell us on, they'll tell us something totally different. So you're right, Jared. But the part of this that is also a factor is that aid. So let's say it's $60 billion. I'm sure there's more, more that we're not accounting for. That aid is also being tied up with the aid to Israel and the aid to Taiwan. And... It's worth noting, and a lot of people pointed this out from the very beginning, when October 7th happened, Hamas went in and butchered the the most Jews killed since the Holocaust, butchered Israelis, and a lot of Americans were quick to point out that right afterwards, it was like within 40 seconds, you had calls from radical very, 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 very well-educated radical leftists in this country calling for a ceasefire, calling for peace. It, it was, Jared, it was before we even had a head count or, or, or a count of all the people that had been brutally, savagely murdered. There were people saying, peace in the Middle East, ceasefire, ceasefire. 
And nobody thought twice about it. Like nobody said, oh, this is kind of weird that it's October 8th and people are gathering in the streets, having all these what looked like parades to ask for a ceasefire, which, by the way, there had been a ceasefire until Hamas went in and ended it. But you have all these people, they're they're out in the streets, they're blocking traffic, blocking ambulances, and they want a ceasefire. And there were a few people on the right who made, who had the audacity to comment on the fact that no one seemed eager to call for any sort of ceasefire or peaceful resolution in Ukraine. And even suggesting it months and months and months after the war had started, even suggesting Maybe we want to have talks to maybe draw this to an end. You would be classified as a traitor, a a Putin supporter. And one of my favorite writers, David Harsani, he did a really good job of weaving these two things together. And I just wanted to read you a little bit from this because we've done some fun stuff today. We've been talking a lot about the the White House dogs and, and just... A lot of the Woker joke obviously was fun. And this is a little bit more of a ser- serious story, but I think it's worth talking about. So I'm just going to read you a-, a little bit here from David Harsani. He talks about how the, it says, Joe Biden has not only promised to veto any standalone Israeli aid, but he's reportedly circulating a draft resolution within the United Nations Security Council that would compel the Jewish state to stop its ground offensive in Rafa and effectively give Hamas a pass. Now, we've seen Joe Biden and the way he's handling Israel. Like, he started off because he thought that's the way the wind was blowing. He started off by saying, oh, you know, our longest ally. And it almost looked like that was the road he was going to go down. I'm going to support Israel. Almost as soon as he saw the backlash from his favorite group of voters the deranged Ivy League lunatics that make up a good chunk of the Democrat Party. Almost as soon as he saw those people were unhappy with him, he started to waver. He immediately was like, oh, oh, did I read this wrong? Did uh, No, they're not happy with me. They're not happy with me. And I'll take you back a couple months. He was at a gala, like a fundraiser, which, by the way, he's in San Francisco today. He's going on. They're calling it like a marathon gala. He's going to three fundraisers in a row. I'm sure that's going to go great. There was a photo of him on the tarmac with Nancy Pelosi. The comments to that photo were just beautiful. I mean, everyone commenting on these two. Somebody said, geriatrics unite. So a couple months ago, he's at this gala. And there was one person who was protesting him and saying, you know, that he's um, supporting genocide, all the things that anti-Israel people start yelling at you when they're not happy. And within like minutes, he crumbled. Within minutes, he caved. Well, we're going to start telling them we're asking for more, you know, drawback, all all these terms. He doesn't want to say we're calling for a ceasefire, but he'll say everything else. He'll dance really, really close to it. Back to this says beyond that, the U.S. is also reportedly thinking about circumventing Israel and formally recognizing a Palestinian state. That was a story in The Wall Street Journal. I saw it and I sent it to Ari Hoffman and he he was just disgusted. He said, this is this is this is what you get. This is what happens now. You go you invade, you go in, you butcher Israelis. And what do you get for it? Palestinian state. That, that's essentially what it is. Oh, this is this is the I guess the punishment 
for coming in and butchering people is getting a Palestinian state. It doesn't make any sense. In other words, while Ukraine is prodded by the United States to fight for every inch of its land, Israel is prodded to commit suicide. Indeed, anyone who dares to suggest that the United States push Ukraine to negotiate a settlement with Russia is framed as a democracy-hating Putin shill. That's accurate. And you know what, Jared? I'm looking at one right now. Right through this glass. I am guilty as charged yet on be- that one. Yet before we knew exactly how many Israeli women and children had been murdered, raped, and kidnapped by Hamas, Democrats were demanding Israel negotiate with Palestinians to create a potential three-front Iranian proxy terror state on its border. Think about that, though. Like, think about if something like this, because when you look at the scale of it, and you look at what happened here in 9-11, you look at the scale of what happened on October 7th, for their population, that was greater, the amount of people, than 9-11. And I'm not, I'm not into this whole thing. I'm not trying to compare you know, this tragedy to that tragedy or anything like that. But I'm saying, can you imagine if after 9-11, the next day or 10 hours later, people were saying, well, you should try to negotiate this or you should try to ceasefire. It wouldn't, nobody would hear of it. It would be insane. But that's exactly what happens in Israel. It's like, oh, so you've just suffered this tremendous savagery. And within 48 hours, you're expected to, I don't know, turn the other cheek. Be, you know, you guys should really be the bigger person. You guys should really let bygones be bygones. And then Israel comes back and says, well, they've already said, Hamas has already said they don't want a ceasefire. And they plan on doing this over and over again. They want October 7th to happen again and again and again. Yeah, but you should really try to rise above. You know, just see if you could do it. It says, uh, those who wonder what the endgame of a U.S. proxy war against a nuclear power in Europe might look like are told that the only acceptable outcome is complete victory for Ukraine. The very future of world democracy, we are assured, hinges on the integrity of that nation's borders. Israel, though, is asked to surrender its territorial claims and reward those who supported, coordinated, and participated in a massacre of its civilians, which included something very important that no one in our news media really talks about. It included 30-plus dead American citizens— I'm just I'm using my past once today. If Donald Trump were president and 30 plus Americans had been killed in Israel, it would be you would know each of their names. It would be a running story every single flipping day, 24 seven. And people don't even know that there were 30 Americans who were killed. That's how little coverage that part of it. I mean, the whole thing has gotten very little coverage. But that part specifically has been grotesquely underreported. And Israel is asked to surrender its territorial claims and reward those who participated in a massacre of its civilians with a brand new nation. We are also told, I'm going to skip skip around a little bit here, we are also told that if Putin is handed even a partial victory, the next thing you know, Russians will be marching on Berlin. American troops, we are warned, will be compelled to defend Europe. That's what Joy Behar was telling me last week. And I. she told me she's a geopolitical, she knows history. That's what she said. She knows history. And she said 13, 14, and 15-year-old boys are going to be drafted to fight against Putin. 
And all I need to know is that someone knows history and then I trust them completely. Like if you have to say that before you start, I'm in. At the same time, Israel, which has never asked a single American soldier to fight for it, is yet again expected to hand its enemies a reprieve. It also needs to be stressed, however, that what Biden demands isn't really a ceasefire. It is Israel unilaterally yielding its advantage since Hamas hasn't agreed to a ceasefire. And even if it did, its assurances wouldn't be worth anything. Lest we forget, there was a ceasefire in place on October 7, 2023. No, the lesson once again is that terror works. I just want to read you one last part of this. It says, but the ugly truth is that Biden's reelection prospects are threatened by the emerging progressive left and pro Hamas faction of the Democrat Party. And there is no one, no issue. The president won't sell out for votes. Yeah. And it's really this is the group that he has to because I always used to say like, oh, Democrats come home. Democrats always come back. But they don't think that this group, this young progressive wing, is like that. They've looked this group in the eye and they see we're dealing with something else here. It's not going to be, oh, we can tell, make you promises. And if we, you'll, you'll come into the voting booth and say, well, Biden's still better than Trump. No, no, this group, it's like Bernie bros on steroids. If you don't send them the email saying, hey, it's Joe Biden, I'm eliminating your student loan debt. Hey, it's Joe Biden, I'm calling for a ceasefire in Palestine. I'm calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. They're going to, I just said Palestine, I was getting them confused there. He's been everywhere lately, Palestine, Palestine. But if you don't do that, they will turn on you. They, they have that in them. And he knows it. He's looking at these leftist radical young people and he's like, I cannot take these people off. And so he'll sell out any policy. He'll sell out any ally. He doesn't care. And his, the people around him certainly don't care, obviously. 844-500-4242. Nasa Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways. If you want to unplug, unwind, and really soak in this beautiful time of year, this is the perfect time to do it. You cannot beat the price. It's under $200 this winter. And Jared can be the first one to tell you, this spot is so special. I mean, whether you're outside, Jared, at the fire pits, inside, you have your own fireplace, but the view is something that you have to see to believe. Yeah, I'm not going to go so far as to say democracy depends on you taking advantage of this Nasa Beach Inn deal. But it's close. Uh, no, I, I love the Nasa Beach Inn. Uh, it is the most tranquil place that I've ever been. Winter on the Cape is fantastic, and it's even better when you're on the beach. And the Nasa Beach Inn is right on the beach. Like Grace said, every room has a fireplace and big picture window so you can take in the view. You can be nice and cozy if you want to go outside and be cozy. You can sit by the fire pits because every room has access to the fire pits. My wife and I love sitting by the fire pit and watching our morning, uh, drinking our morning coffee, watching the sunrise. Walking along the beach is fantastic because you have it to yourself. You don't have to worry about crowds. It's very peaceful. You can actually hear the ocean. It's the best time of year to go to the Cape, and the Nasset Beach Inn is the best place to go, and it's the best price you're going to get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So what you want to do is go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com to reserve your rooms now. This just in from 301. Grace, there were two power solar flares. Uh, sounds like those affected just weren't hardened enough to withstand. When you hear hoofbeats, it's most likely horses, not zebras. That's a favorite thing for people to say when they're trying to call me a conspiracy theorist. And yeah, you might be right on that. 
301. We'll look into it. Uh, 844-500-4242. Happy Friday, Junior, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Actually, you know what? I gave that texter some credit for saying, oh, there were solar flares. And when you hear hoofbeats, it's most likely horses, not zebras, which is just code for saying you and Jared have tinfoil hats on. It's not a conspiracy theory. But I'm still not convinced because AT&T hasn't really come out They're They're telling us now that 75 percent of uh, outages have been like restored. Most people have service. But that's all I've been looking. I get to the very bottom of these things. Uh, What I mean by that is I scroll to the very bottom of these articles and there is not an explanation, at least not one that meets my standard. And Marco Rubio, actually, do you see this, Jared? I did not. You're... Get ready for this. You're going to have a lot to say here. Marco Rubio, GOP senator, he went on social media. I'm guessing, yeah, it was X. And he was talking about this AT&T outage and he was warning people. He said, I don't know the cause of the AT&T outage. Join the club, Marco. Okay? You and me both, brother. But I do know it will be 100 times worse when China launches a cyber attack on America on the eve of a Taiwan invasion. And it won't be just cell service they hit. It will be your power, your water, and your bank. I think the bank, well, I'm trying to think if I think the banks will collapse before that. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Marco's going too far. No. I, He's I'm, not gone far enough for you. It, who I mean, who knows what this was? And, you know, solar flares, we our sunspots, we deal with it in radio. It interrupts satellite programming there. You know, we have to deal with it. Um, this doesn't feel like that. But you never know. But I think he is 100 percent correct. I think that. Yeah. I mean, there's no I, I mean, despite the crack NSA team we must have right now in the Biden White House, I I don't think that firewall is exactly as strong as it could be if you know what i'm saying i'm just sure pete Buttigieg is enjoying today he's like <sighs> finally it's not his department right well he's transportation this he's transportation this isn't trans- no this is uh, like i'm sure it somehow affects transportation in one way or another but it's not his direct he doesn't have to come into the office right he doesn't have to roll up his sleeves oh no get, absolutely bike, not put the bike in the escalade and show up to work that day he can just chill at his home i'm sure well, today's poll question is brought to you by the Nasa Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to nasabeachin.com. That's nasabeachin.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is do you think the massive cellular outage is a cyber attack? Yeah, I'm so sick I'm so sick of playing it safe. I always am the person urging caution and saying, well, let's see how it all... I do think my gut tells me that something's not right here. Something is rotten in Denmark. 71% of the audience says, yes, they agree with you. 29% still think it is not. 
Most users, this is from Fox, 54% say they are having issues with mobile phone services. More than a third of customers reporting being affected say they have no signal at all. And 8% of users say their internet is down. Now, that's when we would have a real... If people couldn't get on Twitter and Instagram, there would be hell to pay. We'll be right back, everybody. We got a lot more to get to. I want to talk about the border, and I want to talk about Chinese nationals who are crossing, and so much more. Stay with us. More on The Grace Curley Show. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. We have a lot to talk about in this next segment. We're going to talk about Alvin Bragg. We're going to talk about the border and Joe Biden weighing, taking executive action there. Suddenly he's... Wait a minute, I thought he couldn't do that. That's what he told us. We're going to take a trip down memory lane, Jared, which we haven't done in a very long time. But before we do any of that, let's go to the callers here. Ben, you're next up on The Grace Curley Show. What's going on, Ben? Hi, Grace. First, I want to say I look forward to your show every day. Uh, you, you're very gentle and very uh, insightful, and it's a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you, sir. Um, the, uh, I, I want uh, in regards to uh, Fannie Will, um, I think that the, first of all, look, I admire the woman for being a successful attorney. Uh, she's attractive in many ways. But I totally think the uh, they missed the mark when they accused her of uh, accepting money from Wade. The real point is that she is she's basically treating him as a toy boy, offering him a position uh, to get a boyfriend. And that's, that's kind of sad, but I believe that's really where the emphasis should be. Yeah, Ben, I think that... Um... I think you make a lot of good points there. I think it's what they're trying to do now is if they can prove that she wasn't paying her half and that she was benefiting from this. And that's where the, the, the crime could be or the conflict of interest. I'm not sure about the exact verbiage, but I think that's why they're drilling down on that point. I will tell you this. I was reading a story recently about how one of I don't know if it was the owner of the the winery in Napa, somebody confirmed, some source confirmed part of her story that she did at one point when paying for a bottle of wine without $400 in cash. But $400 in cash, Jared, that is small potatoes compared to what we're talking about overall. If she's paying for half the cruises, you know, half the trips, half of this, half of that, $400, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, $400 cash is barely a quarter of a coffee can in Fannie Willis's house. You exactly. kidding me? That's a doorstop. That big stack, it keeps the door open. Come on. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Ben. I really do appreciate it and keep listening. Um, I wanted to talk here about a, a story that I hadn't seen until today. And like I said yesterday, I wasn't I wasn't as tuned in as I normally am. But I'm going to start here. This is from the New York Post. And I want to remind everybody of the crimes of this person before I tell you the update. There was a string of attacks that began on February 7th. And the person here, the accused killer, his name is, I just want to get his first name, Rod Almansori. Okay, Rod Almansori allegedly beat and strangled 38-year-old Queen's mom, Denise Olias Arancibia, who was working as an escort inside the Soho 54 Hotel. 
Now, his rap sheet includes busts in Florida and Texas, and then he flew to Arizona, where he is accused of pulling off the dual assaults, including an attempted murder rap that could land him a 21-year prison sentence. He's charged with carjacking and stabbing one woman in Arizona and kidnapping and stabbing a McDonald's worker during a crazed crime spree in the days after the Soho Hotel stabbing. So just a horrible, horrible story. And then once you realize that Alvin Bragg is asking to have him extradited to New York, you realize this horrible story is somehow going to get even worse. Because it probably means when I hear Alvin Bragg and an accused murderer, when I hear those two things put together, I think, okay, so soon we're going to have an accused murderer out on bail or out on no bail, just walking around because New York has become a revolving door. For criminals, they can just do whatever they want. And so Alvin Bragg sought to have to have Almansori extradited to New York. And this is where the story takes a really interesting turn. Maricopa County attorney Rachel Mitchell was on Fox and Friends yesterday, and she announced that she plans to prosecute Rod Almansori on two violent felonies on her turf before she sends him to New York. And her reasoning was she doesn't trust Alvin Bragg, basically, to do his job. She said, I'm putting the victims first and making sure that he stays in custody. I mean, she didn't say it in in certain terms as I did, but that's what you can read between the lines there. She said, I want to be very clear to the public. We're not saying that he will never be prosecuted in New York for what he did, but but we're saying we're going first. And that way, when we secure a prison sentence on him that has to be honored when he is extradited to New York. Yeah, she's not taking a chance. She's not taking a chance of letting Alvin Bragg extradite this guy, this this accused murderer, to New York and then having him walking out the next day. That's kind of the trend lately. She's not repeating insanity. She's learning her history so she does not repeat it. And for once, we have someone. We have an attorney who is, and I shouldn't say for once because there's a lot of good attorneys out there, but making news for putting the victims first, which, Jared, you are with me every day here. That is a rarity. It is not often that I come on this show and talk about someone using their platform and using their job and using their powers, whatever they have, to put the victims first and to ensure a little bit of safety for the public. It seems like most of the time we have these public figures like Alvin Bragg, who are rubbing people's faces in the fact that they can make their lives more dangerous. Oh, you think you're safe now because this person's off the streets? Well, give me five minutes. Give me five minutes and we'll see what I can do with that. Bragg sought to have Almansori extradited to New York. This is the quote from Mitchell. I've instructed my extradition attorneys not to agree to that. We're going to keep him here. These are mandatory prison sentences. Having observed the treatment of violent criminals in the New York area by the Manhattan DA there, Alvin Bragg, I think it's safer to keep him here. I think she might be on to something. There's just a couple of examples that you could look to to confirm what she's saying. Um, Okay, now uh, switching gears here, I did have Jared pull tons of sound today because I want to take a trip and we haven't taken a trip in so long Jared we're going to take a trip down memory lane I thought I had forgot the past and now I'm slipping fast oh back down memory lane all right 
right. I got to give you a little bit of a roundup here because we don't have a lot of time. So Biden was at a fundraiser and he's in San Francisco and he says that Putin's an SOB, which I don't disagree with him, but Putin's people think that he used that term because he wants to sound like a Hollywood cowboy. He talked about Trump and how Trump compared himself to Alexei Navalny. He said, where the hell does this come from? If I stood here 10 to 15 years ago and said all of this, you'd all think I should be committed. It's astounding. To be fair, just in all honesty, I think you should be committed now. So forget 10 or 15 years ago. You haven't even said anything, and I'm still kind of on the something's not right here train. And also... Should Biden be talking about people wanting him to be committed, period? Like, is that a good idea to come out and say that? He said, as I walk out of meetings, a head of state will find an excuse. Oh, I love this, Jared. He's always always telling us that when he when he became president, that everyone was telling him, like, how happy they were. And it brings me back to the John America is back. It brings me back to the John Stewart monologue, which was really funny, where he said, if you guys have all of this experience with Joe behind the scenes being so sharp, maybe show us that. Like, maybe give us some footage, some proof. But whenever Joe Biden's talking about how much other people love him, you'll notice there's no citations. Like, there's no, there's no evidence of it. It's just his word against the world. This is what he said. He goes, as I walk out of meetings, a head of state will find an excuse to come up close and say, you've got to win. Not because I'm so special, You've got to win because democracy is at stake if the other guy wins. Nine heads of state have done that with me. That is false. Is there any way we could fact check that, sir? He also said this. And this one's a real doozy. I've been a senator since 1972. I've served with real racists. It's hard because I don't have the the audio, so I just have to put my own inflection on it. It almost seems like he's bragging about it, but I'm sure that's not the case. He said, I've served with uh, Strom Thurmond. I've served with all these guys that have set terrible records on race. But guess what? These guys are worse. He's talking about Republicans today. They're worse than the real racists that he served with. These guys do not believe in basic democratic principles. So I just want to remind you. Did he mention he eulogized an actual racist? I was just going to say. No mention of Senator Robert Byrd, member of the KKK. For whatever reason, that slipped his mind. Could it be because Robert Byrd was a Democrat? And like Jared mentioned, he was eulogized by Joe Biden. So it's not only that he says, later on he says, I'm not making him, talking about Thurman, I'm not making him more than he was. I'm not trying, I didn't eulogize the guy. I saved that for Robert Byrd, okay? I didn't eulogize the guy. Let's just, I'm just saying he's okay. He's okay in my book. No, he said, but my point is at least you could work with some of these guys. Now, I just want to point out, at one point, we were sold, besides the fact that we were sold this idea that he's like nice and sharp, weren't we sold the idea that he was a unifier in chief? Like he was going to bring people together? Now he's out there going, hey, listen, everybody, I was close friends with some real racists. I'm talking, you know, old school racists. And my political opposition is way worse than those guys. Is this unity? I mean, yeah, they wanted basically, you know, an entire race of people enslaved, but you could talk across the aisle with them. That's his argument. (laughs) What? what? He should be happy. They were real racists. They were horrible people. But you could work with them. Yeah. Fight like hell on the Senate floor. Go grab a burger after lunch. 
Yeah, and you know that what? he all all these people that he references. I think that he actually does have a real soft spot for the real racist because I think he is a real racist. Absolutely. But now he's trying to tell us that like, oh no, the Strom Thurmond and Robert Byrd, they might have seemed bad. He doesn't mention Robert Byrd again because those two were real tight. <laughs> but he's like, they were bad, but Josh Holly, get out of here. Does anyone believe that? besides Joe, he might believe it, but it's just, it's ridiculous. And so he's talking about that. And he's also now, he's mulling over this idea of taking an executive action on the border, which is hilarious because for so long, I was told there was nothing they could do. Every time it came up, Joe Biden told us his hands were tied. Jared, you've got a lot of flashbacks here for memory lane. Just play us one or two. This bill would also give me as president the emergency authority to temporarily shut down the border when it becomes overwhelmed. I've asked for billions of dollars for more border agents, more immigration judges, more asylum officers. Republicans have to decide if they want a political issue, or if they want a solution at the border. Do they really want a solution? It cannot be sustained as it is now. We need a real solution. It's so weird, though, because he didn't get that real solution that he needed in order to do anything and to fix this problem. And yet now he's found a different solution, which is he might take an executive order. He might do an executive order. But I thought you couldn't do that. I thought the only solution was more money. At one point, Jared, didn't he say something like, give me more money, give me more power? I need money. I need power. With executive authority. Is there more you could do? Absolutely. That's all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. But you've had this power since the very day you got in office. You know how I know that? Because you canceled a bunch of good jobs for the Keystone Pipeline that same flipping day. So I just don't know. Did someone not tell you, Joe, that you've had this ability since day one? You just figured it out in the last two weeks right before your State of the Union address? How convenient. I mean, it's not like Mike Johnson had been screaming that to the networks for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that was a great that, that was Mike Johnson uh, this past weekend. He said he doesn't need anything to enforce because they keep saying, why don't you give him this? Why don't you give him that? Why don't you do this? Why doesn't he just enforce the laws? Why doesn't he just do his job? That's all it takes. Trump didn't need all these like, oh, you know, I would really love to start cracking down on illegal aliens flooding into our country. But first, dot, dot, dot. No, just do it. If you want it, it, you need to have the will where there's a will. There's a way. But there's no will in this situation. Um, I am I, Jared. I know I'm, I'm getting greedy here and I know we have to go to break. But can I just read you really quickly what George Santos sent to the group chat of Republicans? This is what he says. He goes, I hope you guys are happy with this dismal performance and your $10 million for BS cost. Oh, the $10 million your BS cost the party. I look very forward to most of you losing due to your absolute hate-filled campaign to remove me from Congress arbitrarily. Now go tell the Republican base what you bleeping idiots did and good luck raising money next quarter. If you miss that, he was expelled from his seat and then the seat flipped to a Democrat. And so he's angry about it. And you know what? I I think he's right. He won his district with, according to him, which take it with a grain of salt, a massive grain of salt, zero zero dollars from super PAC money. He won it, though, in New York. And we threw it away because he lied. Newsflash. 
it's Congress. It's kind of what they do there. It's as Eric Adams would say, it's their brand is lying. Recently agrees Curly Show listener Candace, who doesn't lie. She's not a member of Congress last time I checked. She's honest as the day is long. She called into the show to tell us how much she loved her thunderstorms. Now, Candace had two, and it was great because it got rid of a funky smell that happened after they had their their furnace serviced. But I have even better news for you guys out there because you can get your hands on three of the thunderstorms with this special three-pack deal. You can watch the magic happen. You plug these in. They eliminate odors. They don't try to mask them with more smells. And one of the great parts of the thunderstorm doesn't take up any floor space. It's very easy to use and it's going to purify the air. So if it's in your basement and you've got musty basement smells, if it's in your kitchen, you've got some funky kitchen odors, whatever it is, you can handle it when you have the three pack. Now you're thinking to yourself, that's great, but what do I do to get it? Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Check out the three-pack special. It's the perfect size. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code GRACE3. So it's EdenPureDeals.com. Don't forget to use code GRACE and the number three. We'll be right back with Howie Carr. Don't go anywhere. Follow GRACE on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's car crossover is brought to you by ReadyWise. With inflation, food, and energy costs rising, families are feeling the financial pinch as they struggle to make ends meet. Preparation is key. Our friends at ReadyWise have emergency food kits that will provide peace of mind. So go to ReadyWise.com and use code HOWIE20 at checkout to save 20% on your order. Howie joins us now. Howie, the first story that I wanted to ask you about, we talked about it a little bit today, but I would love your initial reaction. The judge in the Fulton County's Trump case donated to Fannie Willis. This is from Breitbart. I had thought this judge was kind of on the up and up. What do you make of this? Well, he he worked at the Fulton County DA's office, and uh, she was the number two person in there until she ran on the on a platform of she wouldn't have sex with subordinates. You know, so I I don't think it's I, I it's it's kind of a, a small world down there, even though it's a it's a major market. I mean. The, uh, the the lawyer for Mike Roman, the one who's basically put her on the spot, Ashley, whatever her name is, uh, she she donated to uh, to Fannie Willis as well, I believe. Oh, so this doesn't shake your faith that maybe there could be a good outcome in all of this for Donald Trump, based off? No, or I, let me. Oh no, she voted. She she donated to Nathan Wade when he was running for something because the guy he was running against was someone that she had a, a, a another corrupt uh, jurist or uh, prosecutor that she had busted. So she donated to to Nathan Wade. That's actually Merchant. A, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I I don't think that's a that's a really big deal. Okay, well, that's good news then, uh, but it's probably also <laughs> a little scary for Trump that it's such a small world. Um, Howie, another headline that I thought of um, today asking you about, Americans have not spent this much of their incomes on food since the Gulf War, according to the federal government. This is bad news for the administration, and yet, when I hear from liberals, I don't know if you find this, Howie, they're always telling me how the price of food is getting lower, and they find these great deals. You know, I read, I read, into the, I read all the way down into that story, because sometimes you find those little t- tidbits at the bottom. <laughs> and they had a quote from uh, the, the uh, president of Kellogg Cereal. 
Yeah. And did did you know they had a uh, they had a campaign, an advertising campaign in uh, 2022 at the height of the inflation? Not that it's better now, but at the height. You know what the campaign was? What? Cereal's really good for dinner. Give chicken the night off. Nothing says prosperity like having cereal for dinner, right? (laughs) Things are looking good, people. Happy days are here again. Absolutely. Howie Carr is coming up next, everybody. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back tomorrow for our Friday program. Chickens.